You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. You know, yesterday, yesterday, uh, my wife and I had the the privilege of going out to Smyrna to to see the air show. For some of you, some of you might have been able to go out there. Heard that the Thunderbirds were in town. Well, both of us, for for those who don't know, both of us were actually assigned to the Thunderbirds when we were in the military. That was our last duty assignment. I, I left in 2007. She left in 2009. And you know, between March and November, while we were on the team, we traveled about 235 days. So we were gone every weekend. So. When we got off the road and we were able to be done, we didn't go back to an air show. This was our first air show in 12 years that we'd been back to. So it was really cool to, to not only go, but to take our, take our kids and take our 10-year-old son and, and our five-year-old daughter and Solomon, who, who was a trooper the whole time. But to be able to go out there and, and we, as, we're, as we're pulling in, you know, we're sitting there talking. We have all the old feelings coming back. It was, it was that muscle memory like, okay, there's, there's thing, we know what's going on. There's things to be done. And, and so we got out there and we had a great, great day. It was hot. It was sweaty. But we just had fun. The kids loved it. The team looked great. It was incredible. But one of the cool things that I got to do was, was we got to be on the other side of the air show for once. You know, we weren't, we weren't working it. We weren't doing it. It's, I would equate it to, to, to bringing a message or being in the congregation. You get to see it from a different perspective. And what I got to watch my kids do is, is watch these, see in their eyes as they watch the, the enlisted team put together the jets and get them all ready to go and then watch the pilots come out. And, you know, it's like that scene in Monsters, Inc., you know, where everyone's like, you know, where, where they're coming out and everyone's like, okay, this is super cool. And then to watch their precision flying 300 miles an hour, 18 inches apart, just doing amazing things with aircraft. And I get to watch my kids and they're looking at these, at these people like they're heroes. They're, they're almost starstruck. And I was like, man, I remember being on that side and, and having these kids that would run up to me and ask me for my autograph. I'm like, I'm just a dude. I'm a, I'm a PR guy. I'm just a, I'm just, I'm not here. I don't do anything, but it's not about that. It wasn't about me. It was about the uniform. It was about what I, what I was, what I was being when I was out there. And so I got to thinking about it with this message that the Lord had given me. And, and I, I just watched these kids look at them like heroes and, and I love a good hero story. I really do. I love to hear when people are doing amazing things. Not, not superheroes. Those are fun stories. But as Pastor Eddie said earlier in the, in the first service, they're not real. Right. Superman's not real. Right. You know, Batman's not real. All those things. But real life heroes, real people, ordinary people doing extraordinary, or extraordinary things. That's what I love to hear about. The ones that don't do it for the glory, they, they do it because it needs to be done because it's the right thing to do. Those are the stories that I love to hear. And as I thought about it, I, I realized that's what the church needs. The church needs heroes. The church needs men and women of valor who are going to stand up for what and fight for their God. They're not going to back down from anything. They're, they're not only going to, going to believe what they say, but they're going to say what they believe. Oftentimes, we, we, we have, we'll get 50% of that. We'll get people who are going to say what, what they believe, but they're not going to believe what they say or vice versa. The church needs to stand up and be both. And that's why, I've, that's why I've titled this message, Heroes Wanted. And I just have to say, and he was here in the first service. I'm going to say it every service because it's incredible. Brad, Coop, Brad Cooper did these graphics, and they, they're on point. I love them. You're going to see. Before we get into to, to too much of this, it's, it's important to understand 
you know, when we talk biblically and we talk about heroes, so often people say, well, Jesus is my hero. Jesus isn't your hero. Jesus isn't a hero. Jesus is a savior. There's a difference. Jesus is your savior. Jesus is not your hero. Jesus is your savior. What's the difference? The word savior from the Greek is, is, is sotiros. It's a person who saves someone or something and is held with, with, uh, with religious, uh, it's with the veneration of a religious figure. Jesus came in and he saved us from sin. He redeemed our souls. Jesus sits in a savior position. Well, why is he not a hero? Because a hero from the Greek is, is from the word heroes, and it's a person admired for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Well, that's Jesus. True. I won't argue that point. But Jesus saved us. A hero doesn't save you. A, see, a hero can't save you. They're not going to come in and step in and save you because that elevates them to the point of a savior. Jesus is the only savior in this book. This book is full of heroes, and we're going to talk about some of them. But you have to understand the difference between a savior and a hero. We have everyday heroes. We don't have everyday saviors. We have one savior. And an everyday hero will always lead people to the one savior. Always. There's stories throughout this entire book of heroes. Some are, are well-known heroes, and we're going to talk about a couple of them. And some are lesser-known heroes. And I really want to stretch your mind with these ones because it's really interesting. So the first place that we're going we're gonna to go is 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23, verses 8 through 38. I'm not going to read them all to you, but I highly encourage you to go read these because it's about David's mighty men. And there are some bad, bad, bad dudes in here. And I'm not talking like bad guys. I'm talking like they're, they're bad dudes. You don't want to mess with these guys. As we get started into it, they, they, they talk about the three. The scriptures talk about the three. And the first one, was, and I'm going to butcher some of these names, and I apologize. I already asked for forgiveness. Jesus said he forgives me. Uh, Josheb, Josheb Basabeth killed 800 people with a spear. 800 people, one guy, 800 people with a pointy stick. That's, that's an incredible feat. Eleazar struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and stuck to his sword. Have you ever carried something for so long that, you're, that, you're, that when you release it, your, hand, your joints are sore, your hand hurts? Now, I'm at your grocery bags, exactly, that's the exact thought that I was in my head, in my head you know, because us guys, we carry it all in at once, you know, we, you're like, oh my gosh. But that's what, now imagine holding a, a sword that's not light, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a hefty sword, and swinging that thing for so long, the people finally stop, you're probably standing, there's a bunch of dead people around you, you can't even let go, your hand is so tight. That's a big thing. And then you got Shama who defended a field of lentils and struck down the Philistines. Y'all, I don't like lentils. If this were the case for me, I'd have been like, you take it. Go for it. <laughs> you probably want to give it back. They're not the greatest. But he didn't do it because he, he, it was, he was like, oh, these are my lentils. No, he did it because that's what God called him to do. And so he stood there and he defended that field. You have to understand, it's, it's, it's not always about the great things that heroes are doing. It's what the hero is doing. He defended a field of lentils. Those were the three. Those were, were, the, were the top three. 
But there were another three that were right under that, and we, we hear about two of them. One of them, uh, his name is Abishi. He killed 300 men with the spear. Now, we're, in, we're only four people into this, and we have two dudes with two pointy sticks and 1,100 dead people. <laughs> These are not guys I would want to come up against. But there's one more that we talk about. And in my opinion, probably the baddest of the bad. I don't know why this guy wasn't, like, top shelf. His name was Benaiah. And in the scriptures, it says that, that he killed two aerials of Moab. Now, if you, if you look it up, different translations hold it different ways. Some say an aerial is an angel. Some say it's, it's a mighty man. But it, when they say angel, it's not, it's not heavenly angel. It's like the, you know, the, the hero of, of Moab. And he killed two of these guys. Pretty tough. You know, they're probably big dudes. Then he goes one step further, and he's out trudging around on a snowy day. It comes across a big pit in the ground. And there's a lion in there, and he thinks to himself, I'm going to kill him. And he jumps in and kills him. Who does that? Who does that? I, look, you take on two big guys, okay, might happen. But who walks out and jumps into a pit with a lion on a snowy day? There's so many things there to, to, to just try and wrap your head around. It's, it's crazy. And then he's not done. Then he goes and takes on, my translation uh, says he takes on a handsome Egyptian. Others say an Egyptian giant. But he, he goes after this guy with a club. And then he ends up taking his spear. What is it with spears? He ends up taking his spear and killing him with his own spear. You remember that scene in Tombstone? Anybody seen that movie, Tombstone? Remember that scene in Tombstone where, where Wyatt Earp, played by Kurt Russell, walks into the bar and, and Billy Bob Thornton's over there playing cards and he walks up to him and, and he starts pop, they start popping off back to each other and, and Wyatt Earp slaps him a couple times and Billy Bob Thornton's looking at him. He's about ready to pull his gun and Kurt Russell has this great line. He looks at him and says, you're going to do something or you're going to stand there and bleed? And he says, that's what I thought. And he takes him out by his ear. That's what I imagine that is going on right here with, with Benaiah. This big old Egyptian's walking up. He comes at him with a club. He probably set his club down, smacked him in the lips, took his spear and said, look, that, look I, that's what I was trying to tell you not to do. These are heroes. Benaiah was such a hardcore hero that David actually made him his personal bodyguard. And it's really cool to look at, at how he's involved in the throne as it moves forward. I encourage you to go in there and read it and study about these guys because it wasn't just those five. There were 32 others that were just as bad, just as, just as brutal, just as, as tough as these guys. But not every hero in the Bible is a mighty warrior. Not every hero. There's some everyday heroes that we have to, that we have to look at. And this is, this is where I want you to, to understand exactly what a different type of hero looks like. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, let me read this to you. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even in the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing, him, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not, got, not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made when they had made an opening, they let him da let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Now that's a, the the rest of the story is pretty interesting because there's a nice little back and forth with the scribes. But there's there's two places that I want to that I want to hit on in those first five verses. The first one is is verse three. 
it says, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. This is the only, this, we don't hear much more about these guys. Four guys carrying a man who couldn't get there himself. Open up the roof, drop him down. For heroes, for everyday heroes, for everyday heroes. And then in verse five, in verse five, it says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. One word in there that caught my eye. When Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the paralytic, not the faith of the crowd, the faith of four guys that carried him to a place where they couldn't get through the crowd, that they climbed up on a roof and tore open the roof and lowered him down because they knew that the man sitting inside that room is the only man that could heal their friend. Now, these four guys are probably one of two character, two classifications of people. One, they're the guy's friend. And they're like, look, this is kind of a last-ditch effort. We're going to go. We're going to see what's going to happen. We think that this guy can heal you. We're going to take you. Or they're just people who knew that this man needed help, and this was the only way that he could get it. One of those two types of people. Either way, they were a hero to that paralytic. Scholars say that the, the man that was the, the paralytic was, was most likely had a palsy that was progressive over his life, that progressively got worse to the point where he was most likely a quadriplegic and, and couldn't move, laying on a mat. Now imagine those four guys didn't step into that scene. What happens? That man who progressively got worse all his life, laying on a mat, wondering what sin he did in his life that caused him to be like this, dies alone, dies hopeless, dies without anybody. But thank God, four, four unsung heroes, four everyday heroes picked him up and said, come on, we're going. And they let him down through the roof. Heroes don't have to be battle-tested. Those guys weren't battle-tested. Those guys weren't battle-tested. Look to your left and right, find four people and be like, that could have been us. Yes, that could have been you. A hero just has to be willing to do whatever is required, regardless of the cost. The second that somebody starts to do something for recognition or for self-promotion, is when they stop doing it for service and they start doing it for self-service. I can't tell you how many times I've been online and I see people that are, that are, that are out and, hey, we're going to go help the homeless. Put that on Instagram. Why? Why? Just do it. Just do it. Let somebody else take the picture. Let somebody else talk about it. You don't need to blow your own horn. The Bible says that, that, that God will honor us in, the, in, in, the, in public. He will, he will lift us up. Just do what you're supposed to do. Just do what a Christian does. That's all it's about. You don't have to try and perform for God. You don't have to. Let me say that again. You don't have to perform for God. You just have to live. You just have to love. You just have to step in where no one else is. That's what being a hero is. This book is wrought with heroes, biblical heroes, Noah, Moses, David, Paul, Peter, like Rafe talked about a couple weeks ago, Stephen, people that just are standing up for doing what they're called to do, doing what is right. 
the world against them. Look at Noah, the world laughing at him until the first drop came. Then all of a sudden, he's a hero. Oh, hey, let us in, let us in, let us in. The book is full of them. We definitely don't have time for me to go through them all. But they're in there. But again, sometimes they're, they're really cool stories. Sometimes they're great stories to read about. I read about, about David's mighty men, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yes. That's me. I want to, yes, absolutely would I go out there and jump in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. You are nuts. Not going to happen. Because that's not in me. But I read it, and I'm like, yeah, get motivated. It's like watching a Jason, Jason Statham movie. You get all motivated. Go do some. It just doesn't work. But we also have modern-day heroes, People who we learn about in school oftentimes. Dr. Martin Luther King, modern day hero. Neil Armstrong, modern day hero. Kids are, are studying his, what he did and, and wanting to go into space. Babe Ruth, modern day hero. If you haven't watched The Sandlot, I mean, come on. Mother Teresa, modern day heroes. Probably the, 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 the best player to ever lace up a set of Nikes and step foot on the court, Michael Jordan. Uh -oh. Bye, Pastor Eddie. <laughs> why are they modern why are they modern day heroes? Because in the Bible, the, the, the mighty men, those were the ones that the kids, when they would be outside playing, those were the ones, hey, I want to be Benea today. Okay, we're gonna do this. And those are the ones that they strive to be. Today. It's, it's Babe Ruth, it's Hank Aaron, it's Michael Jordan, it's LeBron James. It's, hey, I, I can't tell you how many times that I used to, when I was younger, I don't play basketball, but I used to go and hang out on the basketball courts and, and watch the good players play. And they would replay, you know, replay quarters and, and, and you know, do everything that, that they would watch on the game the night before because that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to emulate that. But these are people that we see in the limelight. These are people that, that we see splashed across the sports pages. These are people that we see in our history books. But they're not necessarily that hometown, homegrown, unsung hero. So I want to introduce you to a couple that I found. This first picture is from the Passion Conference. In 2019, 40,000 students sounds like a lot of students, 40,000 students, had a fundraiser and raised over $400,000 that they were able to give to the Deaf Bible Society that allowed the Bible to be translated into sign language so 70 million people globally had access to the gospel. Those are heroes. Those are heroes. This next picture is of a man named Sir Nicholas Nicky Wanton. Looks like just a regular old fellow, maybe a banker. This man, on the, at, at the beginning of World War II, saved 669 children from the gas chamber. Now, there's a really cool, back in the early 2000s, there, there was this little uh, documentary put together. You find it out on YouTube. And, and he's actually in a crowd in a big theater, and they were kind of, uh, commemorating him, honoring him, and and one of the one of the ladies that was there was one of the ones that he saved. And as he started talking, as as they started talking 
other people in the crowd started standing up. And next thing you know, 669 children were standing because he was able to save these people. He was able to, he put his life on line. I'm going to get emotional, you guys, because there are some really cool stories. He put his life on the line. Going against the system, he could have died any second. 669 kids. This next picture is of a man named Jim Mattress Mac McInvale, owns a furniture store down in Texas. Recently, during the, the, big, uh, the big freeze that, that came through Texas, knocked out the power grid, he opened his, his furniture store and, allow, and served meals to more than 3,000 people, gave overnight accommodations to 700 people in Houston. All at the cost of him, his business. But this, the cool thing about this, it's not the first time he did it. It's the third. He did it for, for people from Hurricane Katrina, from Hurricane Harvey. He just keeps doing it. Why? Because that's what he does. That's what God called him to do. Do I know if these guys are Christians? I don't. I truly don't. And to be honest with you, it doesn't matter to me. What they're doing is they're living out a Christian lifestyle. They're doing what Jesus would do. They're providing. This next one, this young man's name is Bridger Walker. Six years old. His little sister was playing and there was a German shepherd that decided to, to attack. And Bridger jumped in front of his little sister. The dog bit him in the face. You can't see it in this picture and I did it intentionally. But the dog bit him on the face so bad that it required 90 stitches. When his dad asked him why he did it, when his dad asked him why he jumped in front of the dog, he replied, Dad, if someone was going to die, I'd rather it be me. Now, I have kids, and it brings tears to my eyes to think about this, to think that my son may have to make that choice. What God revealed to me when I read this story is a conversation that I, that I see Jesus having with his father. And him saying, why did you do that? And Jesus said, because if someone had to die, I'd rather it be me. That's a six-year-old hero who has a little sister who's alive because of him. We hear about these people in the news. But there's also some that we don't hear about. Some of these people are in Texas, some are in the UK, some are in Virginia, they're all over the place. But you know, we sit amongst heroes. If you don't know him, I'd like to introduce you to Officer Scott Owens, who every day puts his life on the line, he gets in his uniform and he goes and he sits out on the interstate and runs drug interdiction, taking money and drugs off the street that are meant to go in and cripple communities, that are meant to go in and destroy what's being built, change lives, destroy lives. But what Scott does with every dollar that he takes off the street, with every little bit of drugs that he takes off the street, he gives my kids the opportunity to not have that put in front of them. That's a hero. I'd like to introduce you to Stacy Strickland who as a teacher recently quit her job because God called her elsewhere. She's preparing for next week when she's going to fly down to Belize for a month 
and prepare because in November she becomes a full-time missionary. So many of us feel the call. She felt it and she's stepping into it. She's going to go down there and she's going to, she's going to put on, she's going to work with, with a church that we partner with, that we partner with. She's going to work with them and she's going to set up sports camps so that these kids have something to look forward to. I watched her when we took a mission trip down to Belize. I saw how it happened. I saw where she, I mean, she's perfect for the job. So being able to step into that and give these kids an opportunity just to have something to grasp onto that she can speak life into them and plant the seed of more, something bigger, something better than, than maybe crime or, or running away or fatherlessness, all of these things. She has the opportunity to speak in that. Why? Because she said she would. Because she said yes. And the last one I want to introduce you to is Chris Wynn. That's Chris's family. <laughs> Chris retired from the Army, and which in and of itself is an incredible feat. In and of itself is, is heroism at its core, a life of service. And when he got out, he started going to school and, and was, was going to school for percussion because he's a drummer. You see him back here sometimes. And if you've never watched this guy worship or worshiped with him, I encourage you to do it. You cannot worship and, and, and you can't be around Chris when he's worshiping and not feel the love of God. But Chris was, was studying percussion and, and going forward with, with that career field. And then he saw a need here at Southview. And he started praying about it. And God told him to, to change his major. So Chris stepped out of something that he knew, something that he loved, and stepped into a major for audio engineering so that he could help out right behind that booth. That's right. How many people do you know that are willing to step out of something that they love, something that they're really, really good at and step into something, change the entire trajectory of his life and his career? Because God said, hey, Chris, I need you to go into sound engineering, audio engineering so that you can help out here at a little 500 person church behind five other churches on a back street. That's where God called him. And now he's studying to serve the kingdom. Those are everyday people doing everyday things, but they're changing everyday lives. So my question to you, are you a hero? Are you taking the steps to make a difference in the world like the Great Commission tells us to? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you taking those steps? Are you leading for God? Or are you leading for you? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to step back and let God do it. Sometimes God takes his time. But we're not called to lead God. We're called to follow God and lead those. We sing that we want God to come in and break down the walls of our tradition. But do you really realize what that means? When you ask him to do that, when you ask him to step into those places, he's gonna break it down. He's not gonna come in with a, with a little hammer and, and, and move, a, move a little bit of this and, and push a little bit of that. He's gonna come down, he's gonna strip you down to the foundation and rebuild you the way that you need to be rebuilt. Because that's what he's calling you to do. 
If you ask him to break it down, don't get mad when he comes in and does it. If you're asking, you can't invite God in to live in your house. You can't invite God to live in your heart and then expect him to be a renter. He has to take ownership. And when he takes ownership, that's when change happens. You have to be willing to make room for him wherever he wants. However many rooms you have in this, in this tent of yours, in this house of yours, in this heart of yours, however many rooms, God has access to all of them. If he says, I want this tiny little closet where you keep all your secrets, guess what? That's where he wants to live because he's gonna clean it up and he's gonna tear it down and he's gonna build you a big house. You can't hide it. God wants you to step in. He wants you to do more. You wanna be a hero? Do heroic things. Don't do it for the limelight. Don't do it for the recognition. Don't do it to be seen by anybody but God. Do it because God called you to. Do it because it's what's right. Do it because that's what he says to do. Do you have to go out and put yourself on the line to, to save 669 children? Maybe. What if stepping in front of that dog as it, as it takes off running takes your life? Are you willing to do that? Because Christ stepped in front of you at the cross. Who are we living for? Who are we being a hero for? Who needs you as a hero? Being a hero resides in here. The world, the world needs heroes. The world needs Christians in the truest sense. Will you answer the call today? Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.